0: To C3 Church, Hepburn Heights, we believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today.
1: Today's message is called Home Ground Advantage. It has two parts. Everybody say, two parts. And for the very first time in the world, in history, Karen and I are tag team preaching. And so... I am your entree. <laughs> Tasty little entree. <laughs> and then the main course, the sumptuous, beautiful main course is coming later. Now, I love football. Most of you would know that. Watch the grand final. Who watched the grand final yesterday? That was cool in, at the Gabba at night. Um, but I hate going to games in Perth. Because I'm a Western Bulldogs fan... Every time I go to a game in Perth, I'm, I'm the opposition team. There's no one else in the ground that's going for the Bulldogs. I'm pretty much it with my son. And uh, I've personally only witnessed my team win once in Perth over 15 years of going for the Western Bulldogs, and it took us to take Harrison to Melbourne last year to watch the Bulldogs beat the Dockers in Melbourne to actually have his fir- wit- him witness his first win with the Bulldogs. There's so many times I can remember of us trudging out of um, Subiaco Oval or Optus Stadium, just downhearted. Uh, we get out before the game's over and then you can hear the Eagles uh, theme song or the, the Dockers theme song in the background and there's just tears streaming down my face and Harry's sometimes. Why do I go through the hurt and the pain? Why is there so much hurt and pain whenever I go to a, uh, to watch my team play in Perth? Well, it's simple. Home ground advantage. There's something magical that happens when a sporting team plays at their home ground. And the opposite happens when... You're the away team. Here's some stats. I love stats. The West Coast Eagles. Who's a West Coast Eagles fan? They win at home 70% of the time compared to 45% of the time of the games away. They win. That's huge. Fremantle. Who's a Freo fan? Yeah. <laughs> they win almost 60% of the time at home compared to 30% of games they win away from home. And in the history of the VFL, AFL, only twice in 122 years of seasons have the home team lost more than they've won across the season. Why home ground advantage? But what is this thing? How does this work? And sports science departments and sports psychologists, they've been studying this phenomena for years and here are the reasons they've come come up with a raucous home crowd, encouragement and support from family and friends help the home team get over the line. There's less fatigue from not having to travel far. There's a familiar- familiarity of surroundings, and you get to stay in your normal routine. And also <coughs> Eagles fans, bias referees. Um, <laughs> that was actually a point. It didn't have Eagles fans, but uh, there are distinct positives that give a home team the confidence they need, that despite what challenge they come across in a game, they are able to overcome. Home, ground, advantage. It's a thing. And as the people of God, as you and I being the church of Jesus Christ on this planet, when it comes to impacting our community, we have a home ground advantage. I believe that we're not, not only called to reach out and take the love and transforming power of Jesus to our communities, to those in our worlds, to see people saved and discipled. We're not only called to it, but we have a distinct advantage to do it. You may dispute that. The current views within society may dispute that. Our own past experiences of trying to reach out and share the love of Jesus may dispute that. How good a Christian we feel we are may dispute that. But I believe it's a matter of perspective. J.D. Greer in his uh, 2019 book, Above All, the Gospel is the Source of the Church's Renewal, he says this, he writes this, Last year more people became Christians than any year to date. More Muslims have converted to Christianity in the last 15 years than in the entire 13 centuries since Islam's conception. Even in the West, where the numbers of evangelicals are declining, we're not witnessing the death of true Christianity, but of cultural Christianity, which was never gospel Christianity to begin with. Perspective. When we look at what is known as the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, this great call given to the disciples of Jesus Christ at the time, and that call hasn't changed for his disciples today, we can gloss over so much of what Jesus says in this passage and just go straight to the, what does he want me to do? (laughs) What do I need to do, God? Let's read this again. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you even to the end of the age. The whole deal that packaged on either side of this great commission to go and make disciples, is Jesus saying, I have been given all authority, therefore you can go and make disciples. And then at the end he says, and be sure of it, I am with you to the very end of the age. To me, that shows that we have a clear and distinct advantage when it comes to making disciples. But again, as humans... When it comes to plus one, when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to reaching our neighbour, loving our neighbour, making disciples, however we want to phrase it, we have this tendency to go straight to the negatives. People aren't really interested. COVID's turned the world upside down. Life's really tough for me right now. We think of the barriers. We think of the limitations, the reasons why we can't. Well, Jesus' response to that in Matthew 9, 36 to 38, is this. When he saw the crowds, when he saw the people who were not interested, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great. The harvest is great. I feel like I need to say it again. The harvest is great. But the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest the Lord, who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his fields. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ripe for the picking. People are interested. Now more than ever, people are desperate for hope in this COVID-stricken world. The harvest isn't the issue. Harvest is ready. Who's going to do the reaping? And I want to encourage you and I that we are not only called, but we are equipped to do the reaping because we have a home ground advantage. The odds are not stacked against us, people of God. They are for us. It's just a matter of perspective. Now, quickly, let me break it down. Here are three ways that we have a home ground advantage. And then Karen's going to come up and just go, boom, ram it home. We are, number one, experts at geography. You and I, we know the map of humanity. We know what it means to be human, right? Yeah. You are a human being. Yeah. We are human beings. Touch yourself right now. That's flesh and blood. You're human. We have walked down similar paths to, tho- to many of those that we are called to reach out and to love. We're not called to reach out and to love blue bottle jellyfish, for example. Why do I come up with that example? Down south on holidays, we went to a beach and the beach was strewn with blue bottle jellyfish. That's the only reason I came up with that example. (laughs) But we're not called to reach out to blue bottle jellyfish where we have to learn to breathe underwater with no arms and legs. Now, I know that 2020 feels a bit like that for some of us. (laughs) But we're called to human beings. We're called to other humans. And we can look at other humans and we can focus on the differences. But can I tell you that we have so much more in common than what differs and what divides us? Again, it's a matter of perspective. J.D. Greer again writes this, God never called those of us in the church to maintain an institution. He called us to complete a mission. Every one of those 2.8 billion people is like you and me. He's referring to those in our world who have no religious affiliation. They're like you and me. They are made in the image of God like you. Ah. They know what it is to be afraid like you. They have hopes and dreams and aspirations like you. But they don't have the gospel like you. These people searching for purpose and hope and acceptance and love, all things that you and I have discovered and we can so often take for granted. But we're experts at geography. We know what it's like to walk the human terrain. And the the great advantage in being called to humans is we're, we're being called to humans where we are at. We're not called necessarily to humans on the other side of the planet, but we are called to humans who live next door to us, in our neighbourhood, in our suburb, the place we live in, the area we're familiar with, our workplace, our place of study. We don't have to look far. We don't have to go far. We don't have to step too far out of our normal routine to be able to find human beings that need the love of Jesus. But then we can look at our own inadequacies. We can look at our own brokenness and we can think we're not equipped for this. But as we shift our perspective, we see that our imperfection, our own humanness, it could be the very thing that makes us fully credentialed to be the one to give the hope to that person, to be the one to give that love and that peace, that forgiveness to that person who needs it. Our story, your story, it's powerful. The way that we've navigated life, the the way that we've navigated the ups and downs, the way that we've overcome, the way that we're still standing with Jesus by our side that is more powerful than we can imagine where we've struggled personally in relationships in our careers in our finances but we're still standing what we see is, as disqualifying us it could be the very home ground advantage to stepping into someone's world we are experts at geography we carry unique gifts number two You and I have got skills, baby. We have innate gifts and talents, things that come naturally to us. Yeah, we've had to learn and develop those those gifts, but you and I have been given things that we're naturally good at. You didn't earn them. They were just put in you by God innately, and you're just amazing at them. How cool is that? And those gifts, they are meant to be used to glorify God and to reach out and advance His kingdom. Let me quickly go back to this John 10 analogy of the sheep and the shepherd that we've talked about so much over the last 18 months. Think about this. Why does a shepherd have sheep? To pat? To look at? Let's just brass tacks right now. Why does a shepherd have sheep? Primarily because sheep are useful to the shepherd. They have stuff to offer, right? I read a blog post from a sheep farmer in Minnesota about what sheep have to offer. (laughs) Sheep wool is warm and sought after. It it is a superior fibre for insulating. Sheep meat is tasty and good for you. Sheep provide nutritious milk. It has double the calcium of cow's milk. Sheep are natural lawnmowers and can keep weeds and other vegetation under control. And sheep make friendly pets. (laughs) Now, you need to land on which of those reasons... God has you in the flock. meat. <laughs> but the point is, as God the good shepherd's sheep, we have unique gifts and talents, things to offer that are meant to benefit God and his kingdom. And when we know those gifts and when we use them, we have a distinct advantage. Lastly, we've been transformed by the gospel the good news that you and I live and we bring into our suburbs and into our relationships and we believe is the solution for a broken humanity, we have actually personally experienced the truth and the power of it. We have personally experienced the power of Jesus Christ and he has changed us and each one of us, we can trace our journey of faith person by person back to Jesus himself. And so we know it works, not just the power of the gospel to change, but the plan of God to use his church to take the gospel to the ends of the earth because you and I are the product. We are the fruit of the gospel being lived out by someone else and then them bringing the heart of that into our lives so that we could discover and see and receive Jesus Christ for who he is, Lord and Saviour this is a huge home ground advantage Because the gospel, the message that we bring, it's actually changed us. We actually believe it. We're not salesmen knocking on people's doors who don't believe in the product. Because we know what Jesus has done for us and we know what he can do in the lives of others. And as that becomes more alive in you and I, it will overflow into those who come into contact with us. We have been transformed by the gospel. And so let it flow. Now my incredible wife, she's going to come up and share some practical application as we make the most of our home ground advantage. Let's welcome her as she comes.
0: Thank you, Ben. You are, and that was, a tasty entree. And now for the main course. So, as Ben said, let's get Practical, how do we press home our advantage this season? How do we be useful sheep? And I too am using a couple of quotes from the same author, which one one of which I'd like to start with to encourage us this morning. It says We are not philosophers charged to explain life's mysteries, but witnesses commissioned to point to an empty tomb. To reach our community and share the good news of Jesus Christ with our neighbours, colleagues, we don't need all the answers. We don't need to know the whole history of Christianity. We don't need to be able to explain all of life's, life's mysteries. Good luck if you're trying that. What we do need is to be ready to give an answer as to why we believe what we believe. But even before that, we need an introduction, a conversation, a relationship and we need love. Ben and I, the Gould family with our three kitties, moved to our home in Woodvale in 2019 and we believe that we are in this house for a purpose, in our suburb for a reason and we know that connecting with our neighbours and building relationships with them is a part of that purpose Thankfully, we do have lovely neighbours on both sides, and we've been able to connect with them to varying degrees over the past year or so. Uh, one family has children that go to the same school as ours, so we're often passing, we walk to school and back, which is lovely, past them on the way to or from, or we're putting out or collecting our bins at the same time. And we've progressed to some play dates with the kids, which is nice. Uh, so we got to the point where when their husband fractured his arm cycling, a very dangerous sport, I would just like to comment, too many injuries happen from cycling, but anyway, they could come over and ask Ben to move their fridge, which he was so excited to do. So it's, it's steps, right? And Ben prayed for him, so that, that's a big leap. Well done, babe. And then on the other side, a lovely family moved in a few months ago and we've had some quite long chats on the driveway. They are chatty. Uh, we took them chocolates at Easter, that also came with an invite for our online service and then they invited us over for dinner, which was so nice because yay for them, they're so hospitable, that would be a big step for me and freaks me out providing food for lots of people. So we just walked over to their house for dinner one night, that was quite strange and really nice, it was great. And then our next step with them, uh, we're going to invite them over to have let their kids have a swim in the pool and hopefully coffee, coffee I can do, <laughs> actually Ben will probably do but I'll turn the machine on and warm it up, get the cups ready, so <laughs> as you may have guessed I'm not naturally a outgoing or spontaneous person, I admire you people that can just open up your home and stay for lunch, stay for dinner like oh that freaks me out. So uh, getting close to our neighbours presents some challenges for my introvert personality and Ben and I are certainly not the masters or experts in reaching our neighbours. That would be nice and feels like would be much easier. I know many of you are and have been building relationships with your neighbours for many years. We are on the journey and uh, we have the heart. We definitely have the heart. It's the action is where the rubber hits the road and the sheep become more useful. Let us be more useful sheep. So how do we do this? Well, I believe we pray. We start with prayer because we need love. If we don't have love, and maybe like me, for you also, it's a little scary to open up your life to your neighbours, I feel like, particularly because they're in such close proximity to us. What if they do come over and stay for too long? What if they come over too often? I have these... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to shock you with these real thoughts that I have. Some of you are just like, ''What is wrong with our pastor?'' Pray for me, that's the point, pray, please, please, please. Reaching our neighbours to share the gospel for some of us can be a burden or an obligation, even guilt-driven, perhaps even a clanging symbol in both our lives and theirs. So we need to pray, we pray for ourselves, pray that we will have eyes to see others, pray that we will have a heart for them and an awareness of their need for Jesus. The harvest is ripe. I recently read this scripture and want to share it with us today. It's from Second Thessalonians 1, verse 11. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish the good things your faith prompts you to do. I am so aware from my own experience that I can live my life perfectly well and completely ignore the neighbours right next to me, completely ignore the people existing in the house next to mine. This is why I know we need God's love for them to be released in my heart, in our hearts. So what I want to do is actually just stop here and pray through this scripture for us. And believe that God's power will be released here for us today. So if you can please close your eyes and if you feel comfortable, open your hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that because of your grace, each one of us here, your sheep, are enabled and empowered to love and bless and share the good news with our neighbours May your power be released now to enable us to accomplish the good things our faith is prompting us to do. And I thank you for ideas coming right now and over the coming weeks, wherever we're at on our journey, that good ideas, God ideas are coming right now. I thank you for your power in us. Amen. Amen, thank you. So we pray and then the second one, proximity. We need to be in close proximity. So we're ready and we're available for a next step to put that good idea into action. Whether it's a conversation, putting your bins out as opposed to possibly hearing your neighbour putting their bins out and waiting until they've gone back inside before you do that. I've never, ever, ever done that. Don't know how that idea came to my mind even. Maybe it's a chat when you're at school. Maybe it's when you're, gar- when you're in the garden or at the dog park. It's really just being, really being interruptible, being ready to be interruptible. And Danielle Stubbs on our team often praised this And I love it and I don't. She has such a huge heart for people and I think she might win the award for being interruptible. I want it and I don't. I'm always on task. So when I put out my bins, I'm like, it takes about a minute maybe for two bins and then I'll go back inside and I'll do this, this and this. I haven't always been like, oh, I'll put my bins out and maybe have a 15-minute chat. It's just not how my brain works. But I want to. And now is the time for that to happen. So maybe you know what it's like when you pop into your garden for thinking you'll just have a quick little weeding session and you see your neighbour coming back from a walk and instinctively you just want to go back inside before they've seen you. That did happen to me recently, but I did stay outside and we had a really good chat and I felt good. It was a good decision. So we need to get close. We need to be in proximity, even if our human instinct tells us to run and hide. And I believe that we can do that. I can do that with God's power. So let's be ready. And then, of course, all of our favourite is patience. We be patient. We keep taking next steps and accept that sometimes and in fact in my experience a lot of time when we're speaking and building relationships with non-believers that the topic of church, Jesus, salvation doesn't even come up and we can leave feeling frustrated but that is not a fail. It's not a fail when we're driven by love. When we're driven by love, we don't need results. We need relationship. When we're actively praying for our neighbours, God will respond. Our faith will prompt us to do good things. And with God's power, we can and will do them. So we don't need to rush. And I know some of you have been on 20-year journeys with your neighbours We do need to keep on the journey. We need to keep the Great Commission at the forefront of who we are. We need to live it and share it because that is what we're called to. And remember that our home ground advantage is that we are human. Clearly, I'm human. I'm surprised I haven't been booed off the stage this morning. (laughs) Thanks for having me. We understand our neighbours and our friends' struggles, their fears, their frustrations, as Ben said. We are human, but we are also carriers of the good news, the victory of Jesus Christ. We're carriers of the gospel to our neighbours and our community. And so finally we pursue with Love, Whether it has been two months or 20 years, we pursue because they are worth it. They are God's creation and he loves your neighbours. And because simply love is the answer, love never gives up. My neighbours, your neighbours need God's love. So a final quote for today. Discipleship is much more about opening up your life than walking someone through a program. The home is where unbelievers can feel the warmth of God's acceptance. And we can do this. We're called to open up our lives to invite people in and accept them. We can pray. We can be in close proximity. We can be patient and we can pursue with love. And not only do you have God on your side, giving you power, you have your gifts and you have us. You have your church and we want to help you. So we are in our beyond season and next week we will be announcing our new local initiative, Love Our Suburbs. It's new, it's real, it's exciting. It's us as a church community living and sharing it. And so come, be here next week, the next couple of weeks, 1st and 8th of November. We are really looking forward to sharing this new initiative with you. We know that it's what we're called to at this time and it's going to be incredible. So thank you. And just before I finish, I do just want to bring your attention to this Next Steps card that you will find either in the pocket behind you or seat in front of you. Today we've spoken, Ben and I, about the Good Shepherd, about faith, about love and the good news. And I'm not sure where you are on your journey today, but the Good Shepherd is our Heavenly Father. He's God. Our faith is that, our belief is that over 2,000 years ago, he sent Jesus Christ to live, die on a cross and resurrect from the dead for our sins, for the things we do that separate us from God, so that we would be forgiven and free and restored to our relationship with God. That is our faith. And the good news is that it's for everyone. It's for me, the person who hides from their neighbours. It's for you. It is for everyone. God's love is for everyone.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or
0: to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.